0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Colin Squires. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Um... I'm, I'm often down here, well often, not as often as I like, but often down here you might see me occasionally helping out with the sound desk or meeting with a, an Eti and a Connect team or something like that. But um, it's an honour to be here in a different capacity this morning, bringing the word. But before we get into any of that, um, who was here last week and heard Kevin speak? Fantastic. We've got some really, really exciting news and um, it's a privilege to be able to share it with you this morning. But uh, as I'm sure you're all aware, um, as part of King of Faith, our our mandate, our apostolic mandate from God is to be planting congregations, to be seeing his kingdom come on earth and his will be done. And uh, in part of that, the next step for us as a church is planting a congregation in Burgess Hill. And uh, it is an absolute privilege to be able to let you know this morning that Kevin and Sharon will be taking over as the pastors in King of Faith, Burgess Hill. they're, I just want to say, Kevin and Sharon are an absolutely fantastic couple. You know, people, it's actually part of what we're talking about this morning, but you know, when you just look at someone, you think, Do you know, I, I wonder. I think that must have been what Jesus was like, you know, somewhere in their character, in their heart. And just Kevin and Sharon as a couple and both as individuals, they have so much gifting, but they also have such a humble servant heart. They are fantastic. So um, they're going to be ordained on December the 16th in Horsham. And uh, and I, I don't know next time you see him, just, just, you're going to give them loads of encouragement and love. I know for them, they're like, on the one hand, they know it's God. You know, when God speaks to you like, I know this is right. And at the same time, you're going, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be, you know a bit like Moses and he's like you know but but God I, I've got a lisp or a stutter I can't speak and God's you know like who made the mute and the blind and the the seeing of the blind was it not I and you know yeah okay this is you Lord this is you so uh, just give them lots of encouragement and lots of love because mm-hmm. I know that on one hand they're shaking in their boots but on the other hand they're full of confidence in God so um, it's going to be fantastic and and just briefly if I would encourage you just be open to what God might be saying to you um, as an individual, as a family, about what, what your part in this bigger picture might look like because we as a church, King of Faith as a church as a whole, are planting Burgess Hill. It's not like Horsham is planting it or anything like that. And if God is speaking to you about maybe for a season time, six months or a year even, or whatever it might be, or even the first week, to be involved in helping plant that congregation, we know it's the body of Christ working together, right? So just, just be open to let God speak to you about that, if that's something that he puts on your heart. Um, so that is that aside, that's just really, really great news. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Colin. Um, I'm part of the, the leadership of King of Faith. I work with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Clive and some others in the exec team, which is very exciting. Actually, it's not it's really more, most of the time, more dull of the inner workings of how do we make things work, of what God said, um, but is a real privilege, and part of the Horsham Congregation leadership team. So um, great to be with you, though, this morning. And, uh, and it was also great to have my, my beautiful wife, wow. uh, who often can't... Who often can't come because she'll be leading worship and uh, elsewhere and things like that. And my amazing um, parents-in-law as well here this morning. So um, I'm sure when I get back, they'll be giving me all the, this is what you should have said. the way <laughs> Not really. They're fantastic. Such an encouragement to be here as well. Um, so... Yeah, this this morning is our last morning um, in our theme of living like Jesus. We've been, since about August, been talking about, in lots of different contexts, what does it mean to live like Jesus? So we've had Kevin speaking about obedience and living like Jesus is like Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing and I only speak the words that the Father gives me to say about being ready and obedient and that, that just that fear of the Lord, of if God says, jump, we say, how high? You know, we're not like, oh, I'll do it when I'm ready. We've had those kind of messages. We've heard messages about, about, um, what it means to live like Jesus in the workplace, or uh, in in the world, in our in you know the the people that are around us, and so this morning. I just felt God speaking to me about a bit of like a recap of just bringing all this together. What does that mean for us? What are our next steps now? We're, we're coming to the end of our season of living like Jesus. Does that mean we go, oh, great, goodness me, that was a, that was a long haul. Living like Jesus is exhausting, but finally we finished the series, so now I can go back living like myself. <laughs> you know, of course not. That's, that's not what we're, we're talking about. So though the series might end, this is a lifestyle, as, as we know. Um, so just a bit of a recap and, and looking at what are our next steps. So I'd like to um, start by just sharing a bit of my testimony. Um, I was a militant atheist when I was a teenager. I from a, an atheist family, and um, uh, I at, at 16, 17, I thought, like probably most teenagers do that, I knew everything. Um, anyone ever been there? you like, you know, there's nothing more I can learn about the world at 16. I know everything. And I thought I had a pretty good handle on what Christianity and religion was all about. I'd seen the news once or twice, so I really was experienced. Um, I'd seen about how some Protestant boy had glassed some Catholic girl in Ireland or something like that, or, you know, this Catholic priest had done this, or this Protestant person, or, you know, whatever it was, this division, this hypocrisy. And I thought, there is no God there. I had had Jesus so poorly represented, so misrepresented to me that I thought his his church could have nothing of everything that he stood for, nothing of love, nothing of unity, anything like that. And I thought there is no God in that. And so I went merrily through my life thinking I've got all the answers and I know everything there is to know. But it wasn't until some friends of mine in in school who were Christians who represented Jesus very differently to me decided they would not give up on me. And we would have endless debates. We would have all the arguments about if God is good, why is there evil in the world? We would have all every argument you've ever heard any atheist make, I made every one of them. And um, they would not give up. In my mind, by the way, I won every single one of them. I would wear them down. <laughs> I would even tell them where they could go sometimes, if you know what I mean. I wasn't very polite about it either, and yet they were true friends. They loved me, truly. They laid themselves down in that they never, ever gave up on me. And this was years. Our friendship was was over years. Um, and it got to a point where, where it was just before my 17th birthday and they had just come back from faith camp and they were full of fresh zeal and passion. Like, right, we are seeing this guy saved. They were praying night and day for me. And, uh, and I was, I was blissfully unaware, but, um, we were talking one night about something completely inane, something, nothing religious whatsoever. It was actually, I believe it was about a house party and what girls we were going to bring. Very, very holy conversation. Um, and, uh, so I hope I've told my wife this before. It's OK. It's OK. Um, I didn't know her at the time. Um, so we were talking about, yeah, what girls are going to bring? Not very religious. And I had this email, something to do about Buddhism. And I said, hey, guys, I want to go to China, become a Shaolin monk and live to do Kung Fu. And I wasn't particularly serious, but they said, oh, Colin, look, if you want to try religion, if you want to know what this is about, then let us show you. And, and I thought, oh, all right, you're on sort of dared myself for a month. I'll, I'll be a Christian, whatever that means, and I'll show you that there's nothing in this. And I'll show you it's just moral values or something like that. And i was thinking, okay, I'll listen. So for the first time in my life, I actually shut my mouth. And I listened. And we were talking about the first thing we spoke about, who Jesus was. And they started telling me, and they started quoting Bible references at me. We were talking online, by the way. And, um, and they said, so I keep doing this. I don't realize it. We were talking. International sign language for talking. <laughs> Modern day. It's probably more like this. We were talking. And um, uh, they, were, they were telling me who Jesus was. And it floored me. I realized for the first time in my life that the, this person, Jesus, what he stood for, what he was, his integrity, if everybody lived like he said and he demonstrated that would be it for war. That would be it for famine. That would be it for, you know, all of the stuff that we saw on the news about all these different churches and things. I realized suddenly the, the, the dichotomy between Jesus and what he said and represented and the way his people represented him. And for the first time, I thought, oh, maybe I don't know everything there is to know about this. I, I mean, so some practical things. I'd never heard the word pastor before. They used the word worship. I'd never heard the word worship in that context before. To me, you said worship, and I thought about, to be honest, I thought about like, Satan worship. That was, for me, the connotation. Worship is a creepy word. So I was not uneducated. I was not, you know, completely naive. But this was a whole area of life that I had no clue about. And um, and all of these, these practical things. And so anyway, we start talking. When I realized about who Jesus was, I thought to the first time in my life, man even after this month of I'm going to live, you know, live like a Christian, I need to adopt these things. This is way better than being a Shaolin monk and doing Kung Fu. If everyone started doing what Jesus did, as a non-Christian, I thought if everyone started doing what Jesus did, that would be it. The world would be a better place. Everything would be solved. And so I was open, and listening. We talked about prayer. We talked about, um, so we talked about sin first, and then we talked about prayer. And I found myself feeling convicted, though I didn't have that vocabulary to express that at the time. Um, And we talked about prayer and prayer being talking to God and him talking to us and all that kind of thing. So I prayed for the first time in my life. And three o'clock in the morning by this point, it was a long conversation. I'm sat in a study on my own and I closed my eyes and I bowed my head like this because I think this is how you pray. I remember doing this in primary school. They taught us well. And so I bowed my head and I put my hands like this. And I was going to say, I said to my friend, so a good prayer would be something like, Lord, help me be a good person and live for you, something like that. And he said, yeah, try it. And in my head was going this this thought of, nobody knows I'm doing this. So if it doesn't work, it's okay. I can save face, you know. I wouldn't dare admit this to anyone else. But before God, God, if you are real, if you are real, it would change everything. And, I, and you know, the, the Bible talks about God gives to every man a measure of faith. And I think he just poured out a little bit of faith, just enough, just a mustard seed to be able to say, Lord. And I said, Lord. And I was going to say, Lord, help me be a good person, that kind of thing. But I managed to get one word out. I managed to get the word Lord. And as I said this one word, I was hit by the Holy Spirit having never been in church, never opened a Bible, you know, never been to a meeting, never watched God Channel. I had nothing to expect. I had no expectations. I was hit physically hit by the Holy Spirit. I felt like liquid electricity running down my legs and up my chest and into my arms. And I felt this incredible, overwhelming sense of joy and love and peace and being clean for the first time in my life. And I was shaking from head to toe, just shaking all over. And the weirdest thing, I felt like uh, physically, I felt an arm go around me and embrace me. And I turned around thinking my dad had come downstairs and there's no one there and it wasn't in the least bit scary or weird or what is that it felt like the most natural wonderful thing in the world and I was sat there just bawling my eyes out in the presence of God and um, after about 10 minutes I turned back to the screen and I just turned to my friend and said like I think I've just felt God Man of faith he is. He said, no, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> <laughs> real expectation in his prayer there. Um, I said, no, and I described it. And he was like, oh, yeah, that kind of, happen, that kind of thing happens all the time. I was like, what? <laughs> so here's me thinking I know everything, and yet here is this whole thing going on. And all it took was saying one word. Why did no one tell me? I would have tried this ages ago. Of course, that probably wasn't true. God was taking me to that place. But he said, do you know what? God has been waiting your whole life for you to just say this one word, Lord. Would you make him your Lord? He showed me in the Bible. I couldn't even, by the way, how stupid is this? I couldn't reference a Bible verse. If you told me John 1, 4, I wouldn't have been able to go, John. I was like, there's numbers at the top of the page, then here, then 1 Corinthians 11, 2, 12, 2. No, okay, no. I know it is. So he had to explain even that. I was that naive. And he showed me this verse, and it said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. And I was like... You know, jaw hits floor, no way. I said one word, Jesus is Lord. I said one word, Lord. I didn't say God, I didn't say King. I said Lord, and this happened. Mm. It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> and I'm going to pause there because there's some things that I feel that God wants to, to share with us, um, but we're going to come back, hopefully, and just kind of look at what was the next point. So anyway, I gave my life to Jesus after experiencing this power, this, this thing of the Holy Spirit. I went to church, and, and I just, at that point, I was like, I need to know what this is about. Tell me, tell me more, tell me more. Um, but I was sold. And so it took for me having my connotation of who is Jesus, what is his church, and what is a Christian absolutely broken open for me to be able to be in a place where God could speak to me because my heart was so hardened to anything he might want to share with me. But it was some friends who were representing Jesus. Now, they weren't perfect. They too were teenagers and there were things that they were doing that maybe it wouldn't have, that God had been like, oh, we could do better there. But nevertheless, in their their heart towards me, they represented Christ well and certainly better than anybody else I'd ever met or experienced. So this is why we're talking about being like Jesus this whole series about being like Jesus, it's not so that we can make ourselves acceptable to him. It's not like why we need to live like Jesus. is so that, you know, when we walk into the gates of heaven, God will go, oh, that's just Jesus. And we walk by and go, yes, he didn't notice. You know, we're not trying to make ourselves more like Jesus so that we're acceptable to God. God has made us acceptable. He is just as we are. And this is the amazing thing, that even if we never did anything else, we never changed the way or anything like that, we are made acceptable doesn't mean we're walking in the best that God has for us, but nothing we could do could ever separate us from the love of God. That is the most important thing. This is not an introspective, how can I improve better myself? There is none of that. We are not saved by works. We're saved by grace, lest any man should boast. So thank you, Jesus. But we want to live like Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, that he could say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." In the, the verse he says before this is that I'm becoming all things to all men so that some may be saved. It's for those people, that, it's for the people out there that we want to live like Jesus because we want to represent him well. Not like so many of us have probably experienced. Now, what does that look like? we talk about living like Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean, like, some people believe, like the Hebrew Roots movement or anything like that. Have you heard of that? That that Christians need to basically become Jewish in order to be saved. So living like Jesus doesn't mean I'm losing the jeans, I'm going to get me a tunic, I'm going to only wear sandals now, I've sold my car, I'm riding a donkey. Um, (laughs) If I'm late next week to Worthing, it's because it's taking me a day to get here because I'm now walking. Um, It doesn't mean I'm going to become a carpenter and when I get home, I'm going to whittle something. You know, like it's not that. If if we're like that, we're probably doing an even worse job of representing Jesus, because people will just think we're fruitcake. Especially when we're only speaking ancient Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew now. <laughs> you know, it's it's just going to be lost. So we're not talking about that in being like Jesus. So what what are we talking about in being like in being like Jesus? And this is this is discipleship. This is. In, in anybody, we're all called to make disciples, aren't we? Matthew, we know in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where Jesus says, go therefore uh, into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And he doesn't say, and we've probably heard this a thousand times, he doesn't say make converts. A convert is someone who'd rather be safe rather than saved. They want to know, I'm going to heaven, I've got my golden ticket, job done, now I'll be on my merry way, thank you very much, I'll cash this in, you know, when the day comes. But a disciple, by definition, is someone who is learning to become like his rabbi, like his teacher, becoming like someone else. So if we're making disciples, we're making people who want to become like Jesus. Not just because they feel they should, but because we're so inspired to be. What, what other person would I want to live like? Jesus was the man marked by the man of joy, more than all of his peers, so if Jesus was being like God, because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, then shouldn't we be able to see, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus? Shouldn't that be our, the, sort of the very heart of our life as a disciple? I can honestly say to you, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Now, I can tell you at the moment, as I stand here before you, that's not entirely true of my life. <laughs> there are going to be areas where I know I'm not yet like Jesus. But I hope, like the Apostle Paul, I could say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I might not have it nailed, but if I wait until I am perfect, mm-hmm. then I'm never going to be an example to anybody. Um, well, in one sense, because Hebrews says he is made perfect, though he's made made holy. But you get my point, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we are to be like Jesus in being a disciple. So, uh, John 14, verse 9. Is this where I'm looking? I think I'm on the right page. Yeah, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Sorry, let's move on a little bit. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are therefore God's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. 1 John 4.17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we. So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Excuse me. So, how do we start to do that? What is that, that living like Jesus? And we kind of cut, touch on this in Grow Three. Who here has done Grow, the Grow Course? I have a show of hands, a few of you guys. Cool. Um, if, you, if you've not, even if you've been part of the church for a long time, I really encourage you to do Grow Three and Four at least. Um, because this is, this is cool. What we're talking about today is sort of a, a, a broader look at what is Grow Three and Four. And it's all about how do we grow. In our gifting, in our character becoming more like Jesus. So, would you all just do this with me? Would you stick your right hand up in the air? Let's see. I make say there's no. Yeah, yeah. Your right hand. I'm going to choreograph and do this backwards now. And just say B. 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 And then your other hand going out sideways and do. 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 So again, B. 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 Do. 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 B. Do. Scoo. Be, do, be, do. There we go. I think I'm in the wrong room. I thought the auditions for the ABBA Dancing Queen classes were down the hall. But I want you to remember this be and do. So we've got, um, if I have this, this um, matrix up on the screen, we've got on our one hand being like God, being like Jesus. This is our character, our, the way that we are, our heart is being like Jesus. And that has to come from Him. We don't want to swap it the other way around and start being like the people around us and trying to do good works to please God. We want to be this way of, we're being like Jesus, and from that, our heart responding to him, and our faith, just like Jesus said, I do what I see the Father doing, then we do, with, with, through faith, faith working through love, in action, are the people around us. So we've got this, um, this matrix. So on the, the y-axis there, we've got being like Jesus, or our character. And on the x-axis, doing like Jesus, action. Now, if we are in that top left um, sphere, where we're being like Jesus, so we've got that character where maybe we're humble, we're meek, we're gentle, we're generous, all those kind of things, but we're not doing anything about it, we're ineffectual. And um, of course we, we, um, we know that uh, James says that um, if we are, have faith but we don't have any works, then what does it profit a man? So um, there we go. What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Faith without works is dead, is another translation. So if we go back to the matrix again, then it's, it's like that, that person. They might have all of the right ideas, but they're not doing anything about it. We're ineffectual. Similarly, if you're down here, you're doing like Jesus. And by this, I, might, I mean something like ministry. But you have none of the character so you're preaching, or you're praying for people, or you're prophesying, you're standing up and you're saying, "Listen to what I've got to say." All those kind of things. Um, but, but we don't have any of the character of Jesus. Then it's sort of like building a a building on very very shaky ground. It's not built on the rock of Christ, and that is just dangerous. We, you know, you know how uh, if you get a seventeen-year-old just past their driving test and they get, you know, like their um, Nissan Micra and stick a three-liter turbocharged um, direct port nitrous injection system engine in it, their insurance claim is going to be like pretty, pretty, you know, their premium is going to be pretty high because not, that's dangerous. You give someone a load of power, but without the maturity to be able to understand how to operate that and use it wisely, then that's an accident waiting to happen. Um, and uh, we, we read the same that uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter one, he says, if I speak in tongues, if I prophesy, if I have faith to do miracles, um, if I do all these charitable works, but I have not love, then I'm just a noisy symbol, a clanging gong, it is meaningless. So we don't want to be people who sway too far to one way or the other. You know, we're not a church that believes that the, the gifts um, of the Holy Spirit are not for today. Because otherwise, how are we going to affect anyone's lives? Because I can't do anything that impacts anyone's life. I can't bring conviction. I can't speak a word of knowledge into someone's life. Or I think only the Holy Spirit, only by the Holy Spirit. Equally, so we don't want to be a, a, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But I don't want to do anything. Do anything. Do anything that will offend. No, I'll just sit back. And equally, we don't want to go the other way and go, you know, like, start abusing the gift of the Holy Spirit and say it's just all about the power. It's all about the feeling. It's all about experience. Then we're missing something that's vital to the heart of God as well. But, and of course, if we have nothing of the heart of God, nothing of the, the character and nothing of the action, then we're, we're just irrelevant. We are not going to be witnessing anything of Jesus if we're nothing like Jesus. But hopefully we are in that top right quarter. And I, I would say everyone here is, especially having heard the amazing testimony from Emily and Diane last week at the uh, baptisms. Was anyone here that was there for the baptisms? It was great to see so many of you there just supporting these guys. But Emily, I hope you don't mind me saying this, your testimony just being that, well, part of it certainly, that this congregation, worthy congregation, the way that you have loved and supported and just cherished and been Jesus it has changed these guys' lives. And I don't know these guys very well. Well, at all, in fact, I've met you once. You? <laughs> so very well was a stretch. But, um, but it was just beautiful to hear. And so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here that you guys are already doing this a fantastic job of representing Jesus because it's already changing people's lives. Um, so we're not here to be introspective and go, oh, where about am I on this on this chart? Well, maybe I'm about here. I'm not sure. Of course, Jesus is in this top corner. But there is something that we can go Right now, I, I, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you. You go, I know that I'm leaning one way or the other. Like, I know that, that God's really worked in my character and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humble and I'm, that's the first one, I'm very humble. And uh, I'm, I'm loving, he's given me a heart for people. But given the opportunity to share Jesus, to share testimony or to pray for somebody, I shy away. That's scary. Or maybe the other way, and you go like, do you know what, I'm happy to do that. I'll be the first one. God's given me a heart, an evangelist. I'll be out there, I'll witness. But I know that I get home and my thought life or the way I spend my free time or the way that I talk to my husband or wife or whatever isn't quite lining up with where God wants me to be. Now, of course, none of us are perfect, but right now, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to be speaking to you. You go like, yeah, that, I need to see more of that released in my life. Um, so for me... The next part of my testimony was that I, I got saved, like just born again. I left all the stuff that was, that was plaguing my life behind. God spoke to me one day in the middle of a field. I was just having a cider and eating some chips with a friend. And God said, I want you to stop drinking. And I was like, oh, okay, okay tipped out, and I've been teetotal ever since, you know, like, good, just swearing stopped, I hadn't ever realized that that was wrong, or was offensive, and suddenly it stopped, my sense of humor changed, and all of these really crude jokes I was making, it just went, and you know, like Ephesians is it 5, which says, there should be no crude joking, or foolish talk named among you as is proper among saints, instead let there be thanksgiving, thanksgiving was coming from my mouth, I joined the worship team, and I was rubbing shoulders with these fantastic people with a heart for God, who had just been worshiping their whole lives, I joined the, um, the church cleaning team, which was mostly just elderly people who had been week in week out serving for 30 40 years cleaning the church and I learned something about that servant heart just rubbing shoulders with these people who are representing that aspect of Jesus I joined the prayer team who was mostly also elderly people but who had been demonstrating faithfulness week in week out praying for revival every single week since they'd been saved you know and a lot of these guys were in their 80s in that some were even in their 90s and they were just praying and praying and I was learning this 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 character of God from spending time with people who are representing Jesus well. But there was one team I didn't join, and it was the street evangelism team. I felt, I had a burden on me. I wanted to do this. I wanted to share Jesus with people, but I felt ill-equipped. I didn't have, like, that release, that power. And I'd be in the prayer meeting. I'd be praying, and I'd just feel like i just got blocked up. I was like, oh, I just can't express in words what's in my heart. And a year later after I got saved, I was a year on, on all these teams and things, and, and really, by God's grace, he was teaching me, I was growing, but I just didn't have this release of power. And I went to faith camp, and um, there was an evening in, in one of the youth meetings about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, it was like just the tap was turned on. It was like the lines were connected and just power flowed. I, started, I remember speaking in tongues for the first time and, and praying and getting to that point of just like, I can't express anymore, and then just, tongues pouring out of my mouth and like this expression this flow coming I joined the street evangelism team and suddenly felt equipped and empowered not me not I but Christ the Holy Spirit oh, speaking God. through me oh, yeah. I remember leading a girl to Jesus on a bench park bench about one o'clock in the morning in Cainton Park and just just the Holy Spirit releasing what he wanted to do oh, yeah. um, I remember going around to my college and in lunchtimes we a friend and I we would just start praying for the first half of lunchtime in the chapel and then for the second half, we'd go out and we'd just go up to people and say, is something wrong with you? Are you, you sick? Anything wrong? Can we pray for you? And seeing people getting miraculously healed in front of us, and us having no idea what was going on, we would just say, are you sick? I remember one girl, who's a Muslim girl, said, showed us her shoulder and said, yeah, well, I keep getting this frozen shoulder, and she showed us it was red and swollen and painful, and she couldn't move, she said, I can't really move it any more than this. And I remember going up to her and going, um, in Jesus' name, get better. I don't know. Is there a magic word? I don't know. I didn't, so I just said, I don't, didn't feel anything particularly spiritual, anything was going to happen. I was just like, I'm being obedient. The Bible says do it. So I did it. And she goes like this, what did you do? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh no, I've got a lawsuit on my hands here. What did you do? And we're thinking like, oh gosh. And everyone's turning around and looking and she, she stands up and she looks at her shoulder and said, what did you do? It doesn't hurt anymore. There's no swelling. There's nothing red anymore. Immediately healed like that. And she goes, Do my boyfriend. Do my boyfriend. <laughs> and this guy comes over and he's got this lump on his neck. And she says, Pray for him. His name was Andy. So we said, In uh, Jesus' name, get better, Andy, and put our hands on this thing. And nothing in the moment happened. But within a week, he came and found me and said, What, what did you do? Because look, it's gone. And he said, I've been on medication. The doctor said this is... i don't, To this day, I don't know what it was. But he said, it's going to be about another 10 months for this to go. What did you do? And just be able to say, oh, Jesus? <laughs> um, it was that release of the Holy Spirit that enabled those things to happen. Now, with our, our matrix there of being like Jesus and doing like Jesus... It's not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We read in Romans twelve eight about uh, those who have the gift of leadership to lead diligently and those who are hospitable to hospitalize. <laughs> Whatever the word, hospitalize well. You know, those with administration to, to administer well. To so if you've got a gift of mercy, to administer mercy cheerfully. Giving to give generously. So it's not just, we're not just talking about gifts and um uh, of the Holy Spirit and fruit, but nevertheless, that's, that's what we're going to look at today. Um, so we're we're just going to look at that balance between the gifts and the fruit. Um, can, can we see if we can name between us the, all of the all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Anyone? Prophecy, yeah. Healing. Healing. Discernment. We don't want to roll. <laughs> Keep it coming, yeah. Everyone else, don't worry. We've got them all here. Yeah, anyone else? Tongues, yeah. Interpretation. Words of knowledge. Wisdom, great, yeah. Miracles. <laughs> wow, Not on it here. The other one, do you know what? I was wondering if this would be the case. Very good. The last one, the one we all forget. Faith. Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, So even the very faith that we, we, without faith it's impossible to please God. So do you know what? God gives us the means with which to please him. Even that comes from him. But um, if we're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, a great place to start is to know them, (laughs) to know what they are. It says again in Corinthians, Paul says, I eagerly desire you um, to, it's good that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy and and praying in tongues, but especially prophecy. Anyway, um, what about our, in fact, you know, for the sake of time, we've got the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we've got nine gifts and nine fruits. And somebody once told me this, and I was researching this the other night, because I didn't want to say it if it wasn't true. But um, really fascinating. You know um, in John, is it chapter 4, where Jesus is baptized? And, um, and it says that the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. It wasn't a dove, it was like a dove. And um, the dove, most birds have ten primary uh, flight feathers. The dove, or certainly the laughing turtle dove, which is native to Israel, which um, is likely the kind of dove that is being spoken about, has nine primary flight feathers on each wing. So we've got nine gifts... And nine fruit. I just think that's an interesting thing. I love those little things. Um, and, uh, and we even see this going back. Um, I, think, I think we've got this Exodus 28, 31 to 35. When Aaron, the high priest for Israel, was to minister to the Lord, he would put on his priestly garments. And it uh, he, he says he had to wear these every time he ministered. You could do a whole preaching series on the, what was represented in the priestly garments, the, the 12 um, precious stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel, all that kind of thing. It's fascinating. But um, along the hem of his garments, it says, sew with uh, red and purple um, uh, thread balls of pomegranates. So it'd be like a, a small ball that would represent a pomegranate. And then next to it, a golden bell. a Pomegranate, a bell, a pomegranate, a bell, all the way around the rope. Now, the reason he would wear this robe um, and have the bells on it was so that when he was ministering before the Lord, if he were to die, then they would hear the bell stop. and They hear like, ching, 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 thud. And then they know, oh, no, he had sin in his life. And they would actually, they would tie a rope around the ankle of the priest. So they'd be like, oh, uh, we lost another one. drag him, You know, and they'd drag him out. I want to just, just to clarify, this is not because God is evil. Okay, If you licked your fingers and stuck them in an electrical outlet, you would get electrocuted, not because electricity is evil, simply because it's so powerful and there's too much resistance in your body, and so, boom, that's it, it could stop your heart. In a similar way, if we were to walk into the presence of God in our sinful selves, marked with sin, this sin is so resistant to the the glory and power of God, it would kill us. And so Jesus says, but I want you in my glory, so he makes a way for us and... Again, just that, that picture of Jesus. So it wasn't that God was evil. It was just there's too much resistance in that priest. Anyway, you get what I'm, I'm talking about. So, he would have these bells. And so, you'd hear the effect of Aaron ministering. But if they were just bells, then this would be just a raucous noise. Similar to Paul when he says, if I've got all these things but have not love, I'm just a clanging gong, a noisy cymbal. Um, but if he had just the pomegranates, then it would be very soft, it would be great, it would be lovely, but you wouldn't have any evidence of him ministering before the Lord. So it was bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, all the way around. The bell's representing the power, or the gifts, and the pomegranate, obviously being a fruit, representing the fruit. And these working together it would be that, that, just that softness, that right balance. And the same way that we have the gifts and the fruit working together one without the other is ineffectual. One without the other is dangerous. But we, those things work together, go hand in hand. So these, these nine of each, what we want to express. Um, that's cool, right? I love those kind of things. We were just talking the other, the other night with my in-laws about all these amazing different things that symbolize stuff in the Bible. It's fascinating. I love that. I love, I love Bible study. But when in Romans 13, 14, it says, put on Christ or clothe yourselves in Christ, this robe of Jesus that we're putting on, by the way, we should never take off. We've taken off our old selves, it says in Romans, and we've put on Christ. We never take it off. Right? I'm going to sleep now, take off my robe of Jesus, and then put it on in the morning. But part of this robe is that that hem that represents authority is the bells and the pomegranates, the gifts and the fruit working together. So if we're to, to live like Jesus, then it's living these two things, being like Jesus and doing like Jesus. Um, And I don't know about you, but in in this whole thing of just praying, God, I want to live like you, I've recognized in my life, am I living less like Jesus in my doing? I think I'm becoming more like him in character, but have I taken my foot off the pedal a little bit in doing? Have I bypassed opportunities where I've known, I could just witness to that person, but I'll be late. Or I could just pray for this person, but I don't know, they might think I'm a weirdo. Have I taken my foot off the, the floor in making the most of every opportunity. And that's, that's the, I think, the question that God's got for all of us is, is there somewhere where you've just lost a little bit of all that I want to do in and through you? And again, not introspective, but as we focus on Jesus, then we become more like him. You know, that, that little bit of leaven works its way through the whole dough. I remember my brother and I, um, uh, my parents live in New Zealand, so we went over there and visited them. And um, as a bit of a great year on holiday and come to visit us and see us and things, they... They, uh, so we're sending you on a, um, a dirt bike experience day, which was so much fun, I loved it. Um, but when we arrived, I'm, I'm the eldest brother by a couple of years, and my brother's slightly taller than me and had, I think, apparently ridden a bike before once badly. So he had more experience. So when we got there, they said, well, we've got these bikes. So they gave him the enormous, you know, I don't think 350cc or whatever it was, and me, the little 150. Mm-hmm. So I'm there like, nah, pop, 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 pop. And, and he's like, vroom, vroom. and I was thinking, oh, this is hardly fair. And the guy said, the most important thing, it was hurting my pride, it was absolutely fair. But um, he said, the most important thing is just look where you want to go. Don't look down, don't look, you know. if you want to turn that way, you look that way, and then you go. Same with ice skating or snowboarding or anything else really, it's always look where you want to go. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to this and take this to heart. So I kept my eyes where I was wanting to go. Meanwhile, my brother was trying to figure out what was going on, and he was riding around the sort of the practice track, and there was a bit of a jump, and he was just looking down at one point, and he throttled right back, and he went up a ramp, the wrong way so rather than straight on he went up sideways and then right at the last moment realizing he was going upwards throttling back all the way he launched over the top of the ramp suddenly looked where he was going was realizing he was about to land on a fence smashed through the fence you know fell off thankfully he was okay and broke a bit off the bike the next moment the instructor was going here you go gives him the little 150 (laughs) (laughs) gives you kept your eyes on where you were going Yes, always be obedient to the instructor. And it's the same thing. If we're looking down, looking at like what is in front of us, looking at ourselves, then do you know what? We're going to go off course. We're not going to realise Jesus is walking off that way. And I'm still going, but am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am I being enough? We're looking down, then then we're missing it. Whereas if we focus on Jesus, and of course... If we want to be like him, spend some time with him. Spend some time with the word, the word that's made flesh. Jesus is the word, you know. Um, Spend some time with other people uh, as a friend, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. In Proverbs, you know, that we're spending time with people who reflect Jesus well. We're going out and a friend of mine, um, Dave, he said with another friend, he used to dare each other. They'd be down the street and they would look for the biggest, scariest, you know, like, you know, Hell's Angel biker kind of guy, six foot six and a bandana, you know, like absolutely enormous. God dare you to witness to him. And so they, they'd go and do it, you know. They would challenge each other. They wouldn't let each other sit on their laurels, but would challenge each other to never be comfortable with just just sitting back and just being, but not doing. And I, I want to be around people like that. and That's why I love being, I love being around Andrea. Andrea and, and Kate and I, we, she lives with us, and it's great, and she's just amazing. But as a, as a person of integrity... None of you in, are going to have experienced something of Andrea's life like we do in the way that she prays. She prays for you guys. She prays like no one else I've ever known. Her heart, she's never, ever spoken a negative word about herself or anybody else. Just, just is incredible, the, the Holy Spirit, the way he reveals the heart and nature of Jesus through this woman. Honestly, you are blessed to have her here. She is phenomenal. <laughs> but... I want to be around people like that who are going to challenge me and inspire me to be, be more like Jesus. And I, like the Apostle Paul, want to be able to be that to other people. Follow my example. And why didn't Apostle Paul just say, follow the example of Christ in this? Because maybe Jesus, well, not maybe, Jesus was not married so maybe he was saying, follow my example, though Paul wasn't married as well, but you know, as a tent maker, Jesus wasn't a tent maker, but as a tent maker in my business, follow my example as I follow Christ. There's Colin, I can say as a husband to Kate, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And as a husband, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What is it to love? To be patient. Love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not, it's not proud, it's not boasted, it's not rude, it is, it's not self-seeking, wow. it is um, not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not light in evil, but delights in the truth. Um, it always protects, always, um, what else does it do? Trusts, always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. That, that if, as a husband, she should be able to say, Colin is patient. Colin is kind. Colin does not envy. He does not boast. He's never, he's never rude. You know, God forgive us if we've ever said something like to our husband or our wife, you always do this. You're always like that. Father, forgive me. Because we never want to be speaking a word that's keeping record of a wrong. If we never keep a record of a wrong, then how am I going to know if you always do this? <laughs> it's also not a good thing to say anyway. But um, yeah, so that in all things, someone can look at my life in my business or in my life. Uh, Home life. When I'm just at home, we're just sat at home as a husband, as a son to my parents. That whatever it might be, someone can look at me and I can say, "If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus." So we're just going to have an opportunity to respond. We're going to respond in a few different ways here. So so please bear with me. But the first way we're going to respond is just to say, "What is the opportunities that are in front of you?" And we're just going to take a moment just to pray and just talk to the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and just to help with this, I'm going to give you a few examples. It might be in your marriage, if your parents, with your children, in your workplace, or in your community. God, in these areas, show me how I can be more like you and how I can do more like you. And again, it's not introspective. How can I? If God is asking us, then we can respond knowing that He graces us for it. So it's not us looking for it, we're just saying, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to me? It might be a person He shows you. Thank you, Jesus. And if there are any ways in any of those areas where you know, Father, I'm sorry, I've missed that. Just right now, just say, Father, please forgive me. I choose to turn away from acting like that or being like that. I choose to trust you and lean on you, Holy Spirit, that through me, you would work what you want to do in the life of that person. give you a moment more. Thank you, Jesus. Now, to help give some accountability in this, I'd like you just to turn to a person nearby you or next to you or whatever and just share, if it's appropriate, share with them, this is why I felt God say, this is what he said to me. So next time, next week, you see each other. We're not just going to go, oh yeah, God spoke, but then we didn't do anything. But they say, hey, did you witness to that person? Did you pray for them? Whatever it might be. So just give you a minute. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, this is what I felt God say. Or if you're not sure, just ask them to pray with you and just say, God, would you reveal or continue to reveal this week where you want us to be like you and be doing like you, particularly, specifically. If you, uh, if you haven't yet, just swap over and, and just share what the other person um, heard from God. Okay. There's um, there just a couple last things I, I feel that God wants us to, to do to, in response to today to what he wants to say. Um, and the first, I'm not sure we've got time to do right now, but I, I would really encourage you to do, is once we've finished, when well, you're just having a coffee, you're, you're chatting, you're spending some time with people. To just have a practice, have a go, especially if you've never done this before, or you don't do this very often, is sharing your testimony or a testimony with a person. Because the number of times I spend time with people, you know, as part of, part of my role, maybe they're newly saved and some discipleship stuff, and, um, and I'll say, what's your testimony? And they'll say, oh, I don't really have one. Or, you know, people who were brought up in a Christian family. And so they go, I don't really have a testimony like yours. I wasn't saved like that. I sort of always knew God, that kind of thing. Like, that is a testimony. That is a powerful story about Jesus. And I've had three tips for you. Though testimony is so powerful because it is completely unique to you. Someone can say, I don't believe in God. But it's very different to look you in the eye and say, I don't believe you. So it's powerful to be able to share the good news of Jesus. But testimony should glorify Jesus. So drop the name of Jesus in everywhere. Sometimes people will say, I came to the church and my life changed. And I know what you mean, but the church can't change anyone's life. I came to the church and I encountered Jesus and he changed my life. Drop the name of Jesus, just keep name dropping. I was saying to the, to the queen the other day, name dropping's a bad habit, but if it's Jesus, then it's okay. Just a little joke for you there. But um, just drop the name of Jesus in there and have a beginning, a middle and an end. Where were you before? What were you like? Because chances are the person you're sharing your testimony with can identify with that. Oh, man, I used to be just like that. I used to struggle with just those things, and I thought there was no hope for me. Then are your middle, but Jesus stepped into my life, and your end, and this is what I'm like now. This is what I'm living for, and I want to share that with you. So just drop the name of Jesus and have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and just share it. So after, can I, is that okay? Do you accept my challenge? After today, after the service ends, in just a couple of minutes, you'll find someone who's just practicing sharing your testimony. Can I have a quick show of hands? Is there anyone here who's never shared their testimony or, or felt you've had the opportunity to... Lead someone to Jesus personally or um, pray for someone for healing or anything like that. Okay, cool. Great. Just let's encourage, guys. Oh, it's not like, oh, you've not done it, you know, it's bad. It's like you've got, the, you've got this amazing opportunity to be the first to experience this for the first time. It is awesome. So let's really encourage these guys and just be sharing, sharing testimony. And the last thing, if we could just all stand. We're just going to take a minute. Just to say, Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that I am a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. Thank you, Jesus, that I is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you've taken me out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus, Father, that you are taking me to live more and more like you, to be and do more and more like Jesus. Jesus, would you take me to the people who have had you misrepresented to them, where Jesus, the people that have just, you you hang your head and you're like, oh, this is not how I've called you to represent me. Father, take us to those people and let us change their minds about you. Jesus, would you just begin to pray this for yourself, guys, right now? Jesus, would you take me to those people and let me be Jesus to them? And Father, we know that gifts are given, but fruit is grown. Father, if I have been trying to struggle out of the hands of the gardener who prunes and causes us to grow strong and bear fruit, Father, forgive me, I choose right now, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you afresh. I choose to stop struggling. Come and prune me as you, uh, the loving Father, the gardener, and start to cause more of that fruit to grow in me. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunities to see that expressed. And be aware, just like in the film, Evan Almighty, you know, it says so brilliantly, if a person prays for patience, does God give them patience or give them an opportunity to learn patience, to demonstrate patience? Father, would you grace us for those opportunities to, to develop characters like yours? and Father, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Come, if there's any way that you want to just pour your power out in us in a specific way, a specific anointing, or just just fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone here, and you've, you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit before, you've never um, operated any of those gifts of the Holy Spirit, of tongues or anything like that, and you're like, oh, I want that. Then, um, then myself and I'm going to ask the Alpha team, if you're available, who were at the Holy Spirit Day last week, to come. We're just going to pray with you. A gift is given. It's not earned. It's not worked for. It is given. And so if you're like, I want that gift, then I believe this morning, God is just like, well, he's always ready, but this morning is an opportunity for us to receive it. So Father, I pray that every, everything you've spoken to us over the last months about living like Jesus, Father, press sealing of it in our hearts, Amen. Lord, we wouldn't lose it, we wouldn't forget about it, we wouldn't start living like something else. but Jesus continue to stir in us as we keep our focus on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher, the first and the last, Jesus, Jesus Jesus. We thank you Lord. Amen. Thank you Jesus.